You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Tonight, uh, we're in part two of uh, God's cure for the common life, cure for the common life. And uh, last week, I laid a foundation with this. If you missed the message, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it on our podcast uh, because we talked about the importance of recognizing and valuing and responding to the holiness of God. Uh, the word holy is a Hebrew word, kadosh, that uh, literally means a cut above, uh, different from ordinary or common. And the idea there is that God is not only above and set above, he's a, he's, he's a cut above all others. There's nothing like God. He is set apart, uh, like unlike anything else. And and yet, uh, we we saw last week how God has called you and I to be a holy people. What does that mean? It means that we've been marked by his presence. We've been set apart by the presence of God. And what actually really distinguishes us as, as believers in Jesus, followers of Christ, is not just that we, you know, carry around big Bibles and we can quote, quote Bible verses or even that we attend church or, or do any of the things that, of course, are a part of uh, walking with Jesus, prayer, worship, all those things, but really what marks us is the presence of God. The Bible actually says that you and I are the temples of the Holy Spirit, that God himself comes and dwells on the inside of you. That is, that is significant. That is powerful, and it's something that most Christians believe that. I believe every Christian believes that, at least theologically, but the reality that you become God's dwelling place when you say yes to Jesus, when you put your faith in Christ, you go from death to life and the Holy Spirit comes and moves on the inside of you. And I'll tell you what, this is important because it's more than just uh, joining a religious institution. It's more than just subscribing to certain belief systems. It's actually becoming the dwelling place of God and becoming from there a carrier of God to the world around us. And that, I believe, is so powerful when we recognize that he's with us, uh, that the Holy Spirit dwells with us, that he comes to empower our life and we're filled with and baptized with the Holy Spirit to be equipped to do what God has called us to do. So today we're going to talk about the presence of God because not only is he uncommon, but he's called us to an uncommon life. In fact, I mentioned that last week, that the opposite of, of holy is not just unholy, it's literally common that the opposite of uncommon or the opposite of holy is, as that Hebrew word kadosh is defined is literally common, the opposite of that. And so as a Christian, we are called to more than an ordinary, just, just making it existence, but he's called you to so much more. And today I want to take uh, uh, Exodus 30. We're going to begin in verse 22. It's kind of a deep cut verse. This is, a, this is one of those passages that a lot of people will read past and not really catch or or dive into, but I'm just enough of a Bible nerd that I like to dig into these kind of things. Uh, but I'm hoping it's not uh, it's not too much getting into the weeds, but I want to illustrate something from this passage. In Exodus 30, verse 22, is a description of the ingredients of the anointing oil that was used to mark and consecrate the priests and mark and consecrate the, the instruments of worship as holy to God. And so let's look at it. Exodus 30, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, 
that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. Now, my wife can tell you this. Uh, one of my most, I'll say, glaring personal failings in areas to grow is I always come back from the grocery store without completing the list. I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it happens. I, I check it. I look at it. I go through the list. But as she can witness, almost every time I come back without one thing. And it's usually the most important thing. She's saying yes. It's usually the most important thing. It's the one thing, you know. Uh, and so here is a, I call it a deep cut verse, because this was as God was preparing Israel to build the tabernacle and consecrate the priesthood and prepare the instruments of worship in the Old Testament and under the Old Covenant, as they're preparing this, God says, I want you to consecrate them with oil, with anointing oil. And here's the ingredients. And he lists them. And we're going to, uh, each one of these illustrates something that I want to give you that are keys to experiencing and living out the uncommon life uh, with Jesus, and especially as it, as it relates to us having the presence of God on our lives. So verse 25, it says, you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony, that's the ark of the covenant, and the table, and all the utensils, all that was a part of the worship, the lampstand and its utensils, the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and basin, and its stand. In other words, every instrument, every aspect of worship was to be consecrated or set apart. Last week we looked at that with the first mention of the word holy that kind of sets the definition for it throughout the Bible is that the first use of holy was of the burning bush, the place where God, God's presence dwelt and met Moses. In that moment, an ordinary thing became uncommon because of the presence of an uncommon God. It became holy ground where Moses drew near and, and God said to him, don't, don't, don't draw near until you take the sandals off your feet. This is, this is a consecrated space. This is a, this is a holy place. Why? Not because it was ornate or decorated or because it was a religious site or any of those things. It was because God's presence was there. That's what made it holy. And so he tells him, I want you to take the oil and oil was used, and it's still used, even in a New Testament uh, church, that we see oil was meant to consecrate something. And it was meant to be a, a picture of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, upon his people. And so oil represented, often throughout the Bible, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what he says, verse 29, you shall consecrate them. That word consecrate literally means in Hebrew, and uh, most Hebrew words kind of were built on a word picture. Uh, well, all Hebrew words were. And so to consecrate literally at its root means to fill the hand. And the idea there is that something is now placed in the hand of God. It is now set apart. It is now no longer used for something uncommon or ordinary, but it is literally available for God. When you and I are consecrated to God, it means that our life is placed not in our own hands, but in God's hands. That we've literally made ourselves available to him. And so verse 30 says, and you shall anoint, you shall anoint Aaron and his sons 
and consecrate them. We'll go back to verse 30 at the end. But he says this, he says, you shall anoint them and consecrate them as well. Not just the tabernacle and not just the instruments of the worship, but also the priesthood, the people. He says, you shall say to the people of Israel, uh, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. You shall make no other like it in composition, for it is holy, and it shall be holy to you. It shall be holy to you. In the New Testament, we see that we go from having a, a small group, the Levites, as the priesthood, to now he makes every believer a priest and a king to God. And here's what he says in 1 John, that the apostle John writes them, and he says this, he says, these things I write to you, verse two, uh, or chapter two, verse 26, these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. There's always voices trying to deceive, lie, steal, kill, and destroy, uh, voices of the enemy at work in our lives to undermine the purpose of God. But here's what John says, the anointing you have received from him abides in you. In other words, the anointing here is the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's God's presence. And that's important because, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I would hear in church, you know, this expression, well, that was anointed, that message was anointed, and, and, and that's true. But usually we meant like, you know, the preacher spit a lot more in his sermon. He was more excited, or, no, no, not necessarily what we meant, but, but we, we don't understand that the anointing is not just for preachers to preach good, but as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus. Do you know Jesus Christ, Christ is Messiah in Hebrew. Christ literally means the anointed one. And so it's not his last name, it's his designation as the anointed Messiah, the anointed one of God. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. What did he anoint him with? With the Holy Spirit and power. What are you anointed with, with the Holy Spirit? You're anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. That's, that's, that's the mission of the church. That's your mission and mine. That we're anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just for, again, preachers to preach or churches to have services, but for every Christian to be filled with the presence of Almighty God. Not only that, he says in response, and John here in verse 27, he says, you know, in response to those that are trying to deceive the church and all these things, he says, that anointing, the Holy Spirit in you teaches you all things. He says, you have need that no one teach you. In other words, as people are coming, you know, in, at this time, there were people who said, hey, I've got secret knowledge, secret information. If you want to be in the in crowd with God, here's what you need to know. And it's like, and, and, and that's the problem is every cult in history has had secret information, has had a spiritual elite that God, that God or heaven or the spiritual people somehow keep it from you. And you have to get, you know, be spiritual enough to get it. But here's what the good news of Jesus is. God doesn't hide it from you. He hides it for you. And he gives you the Holy Spirit to unveil his mysteries in his kingdom. And it's available for everybody. <laughs> okay, so the anointing is the presence of the Holy Spirit. So whenever you hear that in church, and we talk about the anointing, we're talking about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God, in, in this description, it's kind of his, 
you know, I don't like to call it his grocery list, but this is his description of what the ingredients for the holy anointing oil were to be for Israel. And the ingredients mattered. And he says, you're not to just use anything ordinary. You're to use the finest spices. God didn't give you something less. He gave you his best. He gave you himself. And so he gave you and I the best thing that he could have ever given us. See, if you have the presence of God, you have everything you need. (laughs) Remember last week we talked about God providing the ram on the mountain to Abraham. And and Abraham built an altar with that and offered that sacrifice of the ram. And he called that altar, he named that place Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yireh, the Lord who provides. He says, God, I see your provider. See, see, if, if you've got the presence of the provider, you don't just have an answered prayer or a moment of provision. You have the person, the source, the answer. You don't just have a, you don't just have a healing, you have the healer. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not even going to get to my message with this at this rate. Okay. And, and here's what he said. Here's what they said. Don't, don't place it on just anybody but, but here's what the good news is with Jesus. You're not ordinary. That's what I'm trying to get you to catch in this series. You're not ordinary. You, 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 you have the presence of Almighty God in your life in Jesus. Oh, if we would just capture that, we would give the devil a really bad day. If we would just get a hold of that, it would change everything. God's given us his best. These spices are described, and they're described in, in really important terms, but he actually says, when you take the priest, he tells them, he says, pour the oil on them, but they, they, they had to wear linen, and don't just pour it on their flesh, don't pour it on their skin, and, and that's a picture, an illustration of the, the, the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives to direct our lives so that we're no longer led by the flesh, but by the Spirit, and so, so God doesn't you know, let's look at this. Galatians chapter 5. Paul said, I say then walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The reason why people struggle with temptation is because we become flesh driven instead of spirit led. And so the Christian life walking in victory over sin and in freedom, you know, Sunday I talked about fear, whatever it is, whatever's bound you, we can walk in freedom. But the only way to walk in freedom is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because he says he's actually at war. He, he goes on to describe, for the flesh desires or lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. In other words, they, one translation says they have a strong and intense desire to dominate the other. So they're at war. And these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So this is important. So he's, he's, he, he tells the priest, don't pour it on the flesh. Wear a linen garment that does not cause sweat. You can go back and read that. The priests were not to wear wool that could cause sweat. In other words, why is that? Well, the linen garment was to represent that they didn't earn their way into the presence of God. They didn't strive through their own efforts. They didn't manufacture. Religion manufactures things because it's missing the real thing. 
but here's, here's what's important. So, so you know, I, I, I come from a background enough, you know, in the Holy Spirit where sometimes as, as Christians we thought or we think that, you know, it, well, if I, you know, do certain things and I, I, can, I can automatically manufacture a response from God. And that's just not the way it works. So, so sometimes I, I come to God by faith I'm responding in love and worship and prayer and all those things, but I can't manufacture something. Are, are you with me? I can't strive for it. I receive. And I respond to him. And, and that's, that's listen, I've, I've learned it's a lot easier to draw near to Jesus and receive from him than try to make my own way without God's help. Are, are you with me? So, Let's go through the ingredients real quick and, and give you a few points. The first one is actually the last one in the list. It's olive oil. It's what all anointing oil was made up of at its root. Olive oil comes, of course, from olives. That's the super deep part. Seeing so is paying attention. And, uh, and the way they would get is olive trees, they're still prominent in Israel. These olive trees would grow, and the way they would determine a olive was ripe is they would shake the tree and the ripe olives would fall down. Now it's a lot easier. They got big equipment that can get that tree and shake it. And so they can loosen that. But then they would take the olives that were ripe and that fell to the ground and they would take it after they'd been separated from the tree and then they would take them and press them. And the reason for the pressing was to get out of the olive what was inside of the olive. And the reason, you see, a lot of us deal with pressing. In this world, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation. Greek word, thipless, pressure. You'll have pressing. This world is full of pressure. But the, the purpose of pressure is to bring something that's on the inside of you out. And, and here's what happens when the olive is crushed, oil comes out. When you and I get pressed, but we turn to Jesus, the result of the pressure is not a destruction or a crushing permanently, but it's to bring out what is on the inside of us. I tell you what, there's some stuff I never knew was on the inside of my life. There was, there was areas of faith that I only discovered in pressing. There's some stuff I've, 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 found in in being anointed that didn't come from a sermon or from a book I read. It came from pressing and I found oil. (laughs) I would have rather not had the pressing, but now that I've got the oil, I wouldn't change anything. See, I'm trying to help somebody that may be getting pressed right now. And you think it's going to crush you. You think it's going to take you out, but if you'll let God bring out of you what he sees on the inside of you, you'll find you've got a whole lot of oil. And the devil's going to regret that he messed with you because you're anointed today. Your anointing tomorrow is going to be a result of the battle and the crushing you endured today. That's good news, church. Number two is cassia, which literally means to split. And, uh, you know, usually we think of separation as a bad thing. And in some cases it is, but not all separate. That's point number two. Did I give you point number one? I didn't. 
did we put on the screen? What presses you is meant to bring something greater out of you. Uh, number two is this, not all separation is bad. And, and so the way they would gather cassia is they would take the bark, they would gather it when the bark was separated from the tree. That's why they called it to split. And so this is important because I've told you this before, but you're not separated from, you're separated for. And when you realize that your life, there's some things that we, we wonder, God, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that relationship or that job or this, you know, if you're letting God direct your life, just maybe, maybe the separation is not separating you from, but for God's purpose. And there's some things that I found in life that I wanted to make happen a certain way, or I wanted to see certain things happen in my timing, but I found out that I wasn't held back, I was set apart for. And, and this is important, when you recognize that, you'll, you'll not misdiagnose your season, because you're anointed, and you're not called to common. See, if you were meant to, to jump at every door and every opportunity and respond to everything that's in front of you, you would miss the one door. And you would miss what's most important. But God sets us apart. And sometimes in the setting apart, there's a separation, but you're set apart for God. Number three was pure, pure I'm going to say this right, pure myrrh. There we go. That's harder to say than you think. Uh, and and, and this literally, this word pure is unmixed. And it literally means free flowing in, in Hebrew. The word, if you dig into it, I told you, it's a little deep cut tonight. <laughs> but I want you to catch this because it literally means what's free flowing from the bark. So the way they would get myrrh, there was a couple different ways. There was the quick way and there was the better way. Do you know, in God's process, and in your purpose in life and in your future, there's sometimes the quicker way that we want to take, and there's actually the better way that God has in mind. So, myrrh would freely flow from the bark of the plant or the tree it comes from, and they would gather it up. But that was a painstaking process because it took more time. And so if they were to rush the process by, by cutting wounds into the tree, cutting it open, they could force the myrrh to come out, but it actually would come with a bitter taste because it was premature. You ever try to eat a fruit that's not ripe? <laughs> Anytime we try to take something out of season out of God's season, it's bitter to the taste. And, and, and some of us even, so, so here's, here's the point. What's flowing from your life? That's point three. What is flowing from your life? There's gonna be something coming from my life and yours. The question is, are we allowing God to bring forth from our life what he intends because it comes on its own? As I spend time with Jesus, the result is going to be, I'm going to be life-giving. I'm going to learn to be more loving. I'm going to become more like Jesus. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have peace, self-control, all the, all the fruit of the Spirit. I, I don't see a tree that ever has strained to produce. <laughs> going to make apples today. Bad visual. Okay. So, so 
But, but we think, oh, I've just got, man, I've got to try better. I've got, no, no, just, just get in the presence of Jesus and let him work on the inside of you. And some things are going to begin to be transformed from the inside out that you couldn't manufacture on your own. And the result is going to be some things are going to be freely flowing. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, whoever is thirsty, come to me and drink. And then he said, following that statement up, he said, he who believes in me out of his heart, of the inside, shall flow rivers of living water. King, King James says belly. So, so whether you like it coming from your belly or your heart, either way, out of your innermost being flows rivers of living water. And he says this, he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. So, so God wants to flow, not only pour into my life, but he wants to flow from my life with his purpose. But sometimes because of wounded areas of my life that are unhealed, what flows from my life isn't the Holy Spirit, it's bitterness. Hurt people, hurt people. Wounded people, wound people. You've heard that. It, it, it's sad that sometimes out of the course of our life, the older we get, the more cynical we get. Nobody in here. The older we get, the more bitter we can get if we're not careful to get healed along the way. <laughs> and, and the Bible says, and I think it's in Hebrews chapter 13. I might be wrong. We, we can put it on the screen. Or 12, 12, 15. It says, look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, unless any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this root of bitterness, many become defiled. So, so I've got to be careful what comes from my life because it actually affects other people. So if they were to rush the process, they could even cut down the tree and they could get myrrh. But if they rushed it, what came from the effort was inferior. Anytime we try to rush the process, we get inferior results. Anytime we have flowing from wounded places of our life something, it's tainted by the wound. So that's why it's important to get healed. And when we get healed, what comes from, see, I'm responsible to have my heart healed. I've got to come to Jesus every day sometime. Go to Jesus and go, God, heal my heart, work in me. You know, help me to forgive, help me to, all those things. Why? Because I have to be careful what comes from my life. If if I'm not careful, what's going to happen is I'm going to wound people that never cut me. I'm going to, I'm going to parent out of woundedness. I'm going to be a husband out of woundedness. I'm going to pastor, be a Christian out of woundedness. And I'm going to be, what's going to come from my life is a broken thing instead of a whole thing, a healed thing. And so, so what he intended was, he said, unmixed, pure, free-flowing myrrh is what they were to use in the anointing oil. Number four, I've got two more. Number four is sweet cinnamon. And the message here is accept no substitutes. See, sweet distinguishes it from other kinds of cinnamon that looked the same but tasted and smelt different. So I think I mentioned this once before, but I had uh, my, my, two of my three kids really like yogurt. And I don't know, no matter what I try, my wife makes it so much better than me for the kids. 
So, like, they always tell me, you know, you didn't make it right. Make it the way mom does. That's what they always tell me. And so one day, I think it was my, my youngest, my daughter, she said she wanted yogurt. Mom was at home. And so I'm like, well, she, she told me what she wanted in it, the ingredients she wanted. And so I got what looked like cinnamon. And I, I doused the yogurt with what looked like cinnamon. And then I told her, here you go, just like mom makes. And she took a bite and she said, this is nasty, this is disgusting. And I'm thinking she's pouting because I didn't make it the way Jenna makes. And so I did the good parent thing and said, eat your yogurt. I don't care. And so I'm like making my poor child eat the yogurt. I hope this isn't used against me in a case one day. Um, <laughs> and then I realize, I, I hold it up, I sniff it, I taste, oh, it's chili powder. It looked like cinnamon, <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> I know, it's so bad. Except no substitutes. You know, Moses, Moses said, because God, God got to the point, he said, I'm going to send my angel with you. I'm going to send Israel into the promised land. They're going to do what, this angel's going to do what I promised to do. But he says, I'm not going to go. My personal presence will not go with them. And so in intercession, Moses is crying out to God and and then the Lord says, I will go with you, and my presence will give you rest. And Moses, in response to that promise, says, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us into the promised land. He said, I'm not going to accept any, an angel's good, but it's not you. <laughs> the answered prayer is good, but it's still not you. I want your presence. Jason, if you want to come up. Number five, the final point. The final thing was aromatic cane. It describes it as aromatic because it, it carried a scent that was sweet. And so wherever you would take this, and it's described as sweet calamus, it would scent the air while growing. Oh yeah, the plant, as it would grow. It came from sweet calamus. And so it would scent the air while it was growing. And when it was cut down, it was ground into a powder that was used for perfumes. And, and the point I've got for you tonight as we close, number five, is this. You and I are called to change the atmosphere with what we carry. The presence of God comes into our life, fills our life, and it's just like this. One of the things that marked this anointing oil was the fragrance. All of these ingredients put together, but especially the aromatic cane, it brought a fragrance that it would fill the room. And it was unmistakable. And anybody who's been with somebody that put on way too much perfume, don't point at them, don't raise your hand. Or too much Axe body spray. The devil's a liar. Uh, you notice even after they've left the room, there's still a fragrance in the air. You know, the Bible says we are the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go diffusing the knowledge of him in every place. You and I carry the word of God, the presence of God, and everywhere we go, we're bringing him. We're bringing Jesus. We're bringing God's presence. One last story I want to read to you. It's given in two accounts. John 12, 3 tells us the first part. It says, Mary of Bethany took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, she came and anointed the feet of Jesus. This is just before he's about to go to the cross. Towards the end of his earthly ministry, she anoints his feet. 
and wipes his feet with her hair. And the house, look at this, the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. The atmosphere changed because of what she poured out. And it says it was costly. See, worship will cost something. Salvation's free. We receive it in Jesus. He paid the price for us to be forgiven and redeemed and restored and saved. But worship costs something. It costs my convenience. It costs, it, it, it involves giving my whole heart. Giving something of value back to God. She pours it out in the disciples. I just want you to catch this. This is next. We have Matthew's account for time. I want you to catch this. Verse 8, Matthew 26, verse 8. When the disciples saw what this woman did, they were indignant. And they said, why this waste? I think this is one of the strangest, but also one of the most convicting things the disciples could have said. They've been with Jesus three and a half years. But right in this moment, she walks in and displays worship. And they go, why this waste? This could have been sold. This could have, you know. And they, they, they considered it waste because they didn't recognize who they were in the presence of. They got used to the person of Jesus. They got used to the presence of Jesus. I think the saddest witness of the church is when we get used to the Holy Spirit, we get used to the presence of Jesus, we get used to the Word of God, we, 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 we get used to these things, we check off a box. But then when we see worship, real worship, it looks like this. She comes and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus. It's, it costs a year wage. Imagine you taking your salary, one year's salary, and pouring it out in a moment cost her something but what Jesus has done in her life she's not considering the cost she's just responding to the person and Jesus actually says something he doesn't say about anything else in the entire Bible he says everywhere he says this to the disciples who are like oh this is so wasteful <laughs> he says everywhere the gospel's preached what she's just done is going to be told what moved the heart of Jesus was what this woman poured out. Her worship filled the room. Oil fills the room. It changes the atmosphere. Something happens when we bring what we carry. Would you stand to your feet? An uncommon life is a life filled with him. We can be like the disciples in that moment and we can learn all the stuff. And I'm, I'm all about learning, growing. I'm, I've got more books on theology than the average person. Got probably 45 different translations of the Bible. <laughs> it's all good. But if I stop being moved by him, I, I, she, she pours out what costs her something. And it moves the heart of Jesus. That's what changed the room. 
Do you know what's going to change our families, our cities, our nations? It's not going to be a cold heart of a disciple who's an expert but used to the presence of God. It's somebody who becomes broken and oil pours out. It's somebody who becomes surrendered, yes, to Jesus, no matter the cost. And all of a sudden, fragrance fills the room because that's what people notice. Religion won't change a thing. But the presence of the Holy Spirit that you have, that you carry, can change everything, can change anything. God, we love you. We worship you. I thank you for your goodness, your presence right here in this room, in this place. Your presence is the difference. You're the difference, God. And I pray that for every person that's under pressure right now, that what's on the inside of them would come out, that the the anointing of God, the the, the gifts of God, the purpose of God, they're not going to be crushed. We're pressed down, but we're not destroyed. That's what Paul said. We're persecuted. We're not abandoned. God, I pray right now for every person under pressure. If that's you, just lift your hands to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone who's in a season of pressure. In Jesus' name, oil's coming forth. In Jesus' name, you're going to see an anointing to heal the very thing that you've been fighting. (laughs) You're going to have an anointing to overcome the very thing that you've been battling through. Jesus, God, we love you. And God, we declare victory tonight. We declare you're worthy, you're faithful. And God, let our worship fill the environment. Let the atmosphere be changed by the oil poured out. Let's worship together for just a minute. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.